I'm Kay Cornish, editor of My VIP, the customer magazine for Pets at Home, and I'd like to welcome you to the Pets at Home Kitten podcast. The idea with this series of podcast episodes is to take you through everything you need to know from planning for a kitten all the way through to their first adult years, really, where we're going to cover everything from what you should do to kitten-proof your home, what to feed them, how to play with them, how to understand them. And to do this, I will be joined by many expert guests. And with their advice and support, we are hoping to help you and your new pet have a wonderful time together. So hope you enjoy them. Let's crack on. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pets at Home Kitten podcast. And joining me today to talk about all things toys and play preferences, I'll explain that in more depth in a moment, is uh, Claire Gavin from Pets at Home, who is the Director of Creative Development and Innovation at Pets at Home, and also Carleen Herman, who is a qualified vet and Head of Pets at Pets at Home. Now, we've also got James Headley, who is a member of the Pets at Home Kitten Club. And uh, the most important guest of all, of course, is his nine-month-old kitten, Penny, who we will be talking about throughout this episode. Now, toys and play preferences. You know, we all know that cats are incredibly independent. And because of their independent nature, cats are usually content with being kept inside at home. But just like other animals, they can get bored if they are not given sufficient stimulation. So this time around, we're going to be looking at kitten toys and their play preferences. And believe me, this is um, a subject that I could talk about for hours. It's it's fascinating. And uh, most cats enjoy interacting with their owner and playing is a great way to develop the bond between you and your kitten. So, Carleen, let's kick off. Why is play so important for kittens? Well, I guess like all young animals it's essential to um they basically learn and it's essential for their development um to play so for cats it's mainly hunting skills they learn through play um, and they will learn that from from their mother and um their siblings as well their litter mates obviously as cats get older that might reduce the amount that they play and obviously really old cats if they're a bit arthritic or have less energy they, they will play a lot less but actually a lot of cats stay really playful for their whole lives because hunting is essential for them um, to survive or it would be in the wild so that that behavior doesn't doesn't really go away it's quite interesting in cats hunting behavior is not linked to hunger which is a bit weird if you think about it. You think a cat would only go hunting if, if they were hungry, but because in the wild they would catch sort of 10 to 15 small rodents a day, and obviously not every chase um, or, or hunting episode would be successful. So they have to keep trying lots and lots of times to get the actual mouse and get food, which is why it's not linked to hunger and our pet cats still hunt. Okay, so they're literally constantly hunting just in case they don't get enough. It's their primeval instinct in the wild. They would just hunt all day just in case they didn't get enough or, like you say, didn't catch. And, and clearly, it's probably quite enjoyable for them as well. Otherwise, it would have, like, burnt out of the species a while ago. Yeah, well, it, actually, a lot a lot of um, hunting is, is unsuccessful, probably more than it is successful. So that's why it's so important. Um, and that's why, you know, cats are just powerless to, to resist you know, whether it's the, the flapping wings of a bird or scuttling feet of a small mouse or the toys that imitate those things. Yeah. 
they they just love it. So Claire's going to come in shortly and um, talk about the different kinds of play preference. But can you just go into a little bit more detail about what play explores, Colleen? Yeah, sure. So I guess playing for a kitten, they go through all the different parts of of um, a hunting sequence or predatory sequence, really. So um, searching, stalking, chasing, pouncing, and then eventually catching a toy and then rolling around with it, manipulating it. So you'll find that different toys are designed for those different parts. And some of them, you know, you might get the whole sequence and some of them don't. And that's where, you know, some toys can actually cause a bit of frustration if certain parts of that sequence are are, are absent. So I think, uh, um, you know, a really common one is laser pointers. That doesn't mean laser pointers are bad because a lot of cats love chasing um, a laser pointer. But what, what you want to do is, well, one, not play with any toy really for too long because that's not natural for cats they, they have these sort of short bursts of play but also making sure that they have something physical to to get to or catch um at the end of a, a laser pointer um game okay so james do you do you play uh with a laser pointer with penny i do actually she she's uh she's a really big fan of it she's she we do use it probably every other day and she knows where it's stored now. So if we actually open the drawer, she's there. She's like, you know, like a shot there waiting for it. I completely get what you're saying, actually. It's really interesting about, you know, just frustration. So what we do when we play with it towards the end, we kind of make sure that she's almost like touches the laser. So she feels like she's won. But then what I do is I actually take the laser pen and show her the laser pen. Uh, and then I show her putting it back into the drawer and closing it. And now she realizes, ah, that's the end of the game. And she's she's actually cottoned onto that. So I actually show her bringing it out and then putting it away. So she's uh, she's definitely learned. And I feel like because of that, she calms down because at the very beginning she was, you know, I put it away and she was still running around going, where is it? Where is it? <laughs> and I thought that that wasn't very fair. So now she understands, put it away and game over. And then she relaxes. Oh, she sounds like she's a very, very intelligent little pretty cat. So. Oda's involvement in play, again, like James was just saying there, they because she's little and like you said, you can't just play for hours and hours and hours. So you're kind of dictating to an extent, aren't you, how long the play lasts for or putting it away afterwards, etc. So is there is there more sort of behind owner's involvement in play? I think I think there is, yeah. I mean, you know, you can get involved as much or as little as you want. And um, you know, often people say cats can't be trained, but actually if your if your cat is food motivated and sometimes it depends on the individual cat and the breed as well there are some breeds that are renowned for being quite trainable you can actually you know teach them to play fetch to switch on lights to you know do all sorts of things sit um on command um just like you would with a dog and it all works the same way it's positive reinforcement um and food obviously always helps Absolutely. So is there is there a difference in playtime between cats that stay inside most of the time or cats that prefer being outside a lot more than being inside? I think, yeah, kittens um, and cats that are, are indoor only, they definitely need more stimulation and play than perhaps a cat that does have access to the outside because they will get bored otherwise. Um, so that's quite important as an owner that you're you're aware of that. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, sorry, I keep saying cats. It's actually kittens. And of course, kittens are going to need stimulating a lot because they have to be kept inside for the first sort of few months of their life anyway, don't they, before their vaccinations? That's it. And yeah. you're also still figuring out really what their preferences are. Um, and as we've already discussed, kittens are, 
you know, possibly even more playful than, than adult cats because they're still exploring exploring those skills. And a cat that, that does go outside, you know, they have loads of things to investigate, you know, walls to climb up, trees to climb, hopefully not get stuck, um, and actual prey to stalk, whether it's successful or not, they'll spend hours doing it. Um, and even things like, you know, butterflies and leaves to chase, lots of interesting stuff for them. So you kind of try and want to mimic that for a for an indoor only cat and, and give them that same that same stimulation. Yeah. And Claire's got Claire's got a lot to say on that subject coming up shortly. So what are some of the clues to an ideal playtime that you can spot in your cat's behaviour? So I think, you know, we've, we've discussed it before with, with cats, especially your kittens. It's always best to let them take the initiative. Yeah. So you'll probably find that they'll suddenly find something, even if there's no toys around, they'll find something that they'll start to, you know, use their paw to bat around or, or, or pounce. You know, their eyes, their pupils might get really big and dark, slightly flattened ears. Um, and, and you know, of, often people say sort of the mad half hour where they're suddenly running around the house like crazy. That that probably gives you, gives you a clue. Dusk and dawn would be the sort of times that their, their prey drive, I guess, is is more heightened because that's when when their natural prey would be out and about. So they uh, that's why we often see the sort of bedtime or, or sort of dusk, crazy, mad half hour um, in, in cats and kittens. How do you assess your kitten's motivation to play? And how do you tailor the play to suit their needs? So I think to find out what your cat prefers to play with is definitely based on on a bit of trial and error. And so, you know, don't be discouraged if you buy a load of toys and, and, and your kitten might not like all of them. It's part of the process to find out what appeals to them the most. So, you know, you get some toys that have things like dried catnip in them, but not all cats or kittens react to catnip. You obviously want to make sure it's small enough for a kitten to actually, because they do quite like flipping things in the air and, and batting it around the floor. Um, so you, you don't want it to be too heavy or even carry it in their mouths, but, but equally not so small that they could accidentally ingest it. And you will find they'll often find, you know, everyday household things to, to play with and you just quickly need to assess whether it could be a danger to them um, and, and you might have to take it away. And I know that Wolfie, your cat, still plays with something quite funny. Well, just like string. He loves string, which is actually really dangerous. Wow. <laughs> and I thought, I, thought, I thought you said that he played with his cat litter. Oh, yeah, he does, actually. Yeah, he loves that as well. Yeah, that seems to be his new thing. He'll go in his cat his litter tray, comes out, and because he's a long-haired cat, drags half the litter with him. <laughs> Um, and then that's on, on the laminate floor. And then, yeah, he, he chases the cat litter around. OK, so vacuuming is a big thing in your house then. Sweet yeah. things. <laughs> so on a previous episode, I think it was the nutrition uh, episode, we've talked about how cats are naturally neophilic, which means they are excited by novelty. They like new stuff. So toys that are left out will soon lose their appeal. So all toys should therefore be rotated randomly and games should be ended on a positive note uh, before your cat gets bored. And a strong signal, particularly for the enthusiastic player, that the game has stopped is essential. Like James said before, we're putting it in the drawer. Playtime over. And if your cat appears to be overexcited or overstimulated by a particular toy, stop that activity and redirect its attention to something else. Okay, so 
Claire Gavin. Let's get Claire in to talk about the exciting toys. And this is such a, I, I love, I love writing about this and talking about this. It's, it's, you could go on for hours. So Claire, come on then. Let's talk about the different kinds of play preferences and the toys that are uh, relevant to those preferences. Yeah. Hi, Kate. So as Carleen said, play should really explore all the parts of the predatory sequence. So you've got the search, the stalk, the chase, the pounce, the catch and the manipulate. And that's why we've done quite a lot of work to divide or categorise our toys into those that are perfect for prowling and pouncing. Flapping and flipping. So we talked about how cats and kittens may love to play with butterflies. Actually, you would expect to see a butterfly type toy within the flapping and flipping category. We've got grippling and grappling. Um, Now, some cats have big aspirations and they like quite big prey. So if your cat or kitten is a, a squirrel, fan um, you probably want something a big toy like a kicker and you'll find that cats will roll onto their backs and they'll, they'll hold the the toy in all four paws so they've got big aspirations and we've got a category called chasing and catching and you might have laser catchers the ones in there but I, I suppose when you go back to the prowling and pouncing that talks to balls as well we've talked about ping pong balls foam balls. There can be sensory balls that light up, that um, have bells in them, lots of kind of kaleidoscopic impact and stimulation for the cats. So they're really great for chasing. And we were talking about um, wands, you know, just between us earlier. Wands could just have a pom-pom and a bell on the end. They could be made from um, almost like a feather boa or from marabou. And that means that you can whirl them around. You can even interact with your cat and bring out your inner cheerleader by a very, very long piece of um, a fleece. And you can whirl that around, twirl it, and, and cats will love it. And if it's a really long piece, so I don't know, say a metre and a half probably, or a little bit longer, the cat can then catch the end of it. So they do get that satisfaction that they're yeah. playing. Yeah, you've always got to let them win at some point. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, you know, we know that the cat's eyes see everything so quickly and in, in quite dim light as well. So the laser chaser really mimics the kind of fast action that an insect would have. And, you know, probably I've got to talk, I've got to talk about my favourite toy. Um, I, I think Carleen's going to talk about this as well, because I think we're both fans or our cats are. But um, my very favourite toy is quite iconic and it's, it's called uh, De Bird. And the reason I love this toy is because it's so well thought out by um, a guy in the States who just is a, is a, he loves cats, adores cats, and he really understands them. So it's a very long stick, longer than most cat cat um, ones, uh, which gives you more ability to stand away from the cat and encourage the cat to interact with it. It has a long wiry string. Sometimes um, a bird has a a little um, icon, like a bee on it, that's made out of actually um, deer skin. But most often they're made with um, replaceable flight feathers or feathers that are cut to resemble flight feathers, which means that when you twist it around, the flight feathers look, feel and sound like the bird wing which just drives cats wild. That's why they love it so much. Wow, and, it's really and, thought this through, hasn't it? It's really, really good. And 
And I think, you know, because you can, it's almost like a little clip on the end of, of the wire. So you can buy replacements. So your cat can win. Your cat can lick the feathers and, you know, have, have managed to get its prey. Um, and if it does get too too battered and, and destroyed, you can just buy some more and clip them on and you're good to play. And, you know, I, I wanted to say about the the, habit, the habituation, the power of a cat toy, uh, we, we, we talk about putting toys away for up to two weeks and then bringing them out again because you really do get that surprise and delight yeah. element. Yeah, shiny Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, James, have you, have you heard of this amazing toy? No, I haven't. I'm uh, quite, quite annoyed about myself, actually. I, I'm <laughs> aware of it. I think Penny would love something like that, so I'm going to look into it, definitely. Holly, uh, you're a big fan as well, aren't you? I, I am a big fan and we've had to buy many a replacement already because yeah, he will he will uh, my cat will chew chew the feathers once he's caught it. If it's been a particularly intense uh play session, um he'll he'll um he'll chew the feathers or even drag the whole thing with stick and everything and it is quite a long stick like Claire says it comes in two parts so it's really long he drags it all around the house and then drops it in his food bowl which is delightful I don't know whether he rewards himself by then eating a bit uh, <laughs> yeah it gets really manky <laughs> uh-huh. well it doesn't matter because he's enjoying himself I was going to say that obviously a new kitten needs to explore every different sense and we know that cats do play in a way that mimics their prey preference yeah but at the stage of a kitten in its development it really needs to have a very wide range of toys to explore all of those different senses and you may find that you keep buying ping pong balls and they're really not cutting the mustard if you will the cat's not enjoying it because your cat and kitten will develop a particular preference for, I don't know, a fluttery butterfly type toy that has cellophane wings, or it might like noise more than other cats. So it might really respond to bells, whereas other cats are just not interested. You really have to explore and give them a really great uh, variety. I was just going to say, I had noticed that as well, actually, that um, we bought a wide range of different toys for Penny to test them out almost. And when we first got them, we and to be honest, we did buy a lot at the same time. So we were trialing them. But as time's gone on, she's actually changed almost what she wants to play with. So originally it was the kind of the ping pong balls. Now, then it was kind of like the little soft play mice. Then it was the one toy. Um, and now it's the laser. And it seems to just, it's almost like she moves on to the next thing. Uh, we don't know if she's ever going to go back to the, the original toys we bought. But it's interesting how... Um, they seem to evolve in, in terms of what they want to play with and, and adapt. And I've, I have noticed now she goes outside and plays a lot more, obviously, in the garden, etc. When she comes back in, she's she doesn't want to play with as many toys anymore. And I think it's probably because she's she's worn out. She's tired. But she always she's always got time for the laser. It's the laser's the thing that she really wants to play with now. That's just brilliant, James. Fantastic. And Penny's clearly a super happy kitten. But I was going to say that one of one of the, the items I think is a really great thing to buy when you really are at the earliest stages of your journey with your new kitten is um one of our best sellers is a multi-pack of all of the different toys. You know, they're only little. There's lots of them. They all do different things. And just buying a pack of those really allows you to explore. Not very expensive. And your your kitten can have fun and you can learn. 
as well as the categories that we've developed, we've developed those because we know that you'll have some kind of categorization of like cats that like hide and seek um, and small, fast moving toys. So um, we might you might liken that to mouses and they love things like catnip mice. Um, we have um, a category that we talk about called birders. So they maybe prefer feathery items that they can bat around in the air. You might have a kind of bug chasing fan. So they like the things like laser chasers where things are, are very pointed and very quick to move. You might have, um, we talked about the squirrels that, that, that like the, the, big, the big items, um, the squirrel stalkers who, who hunt for their prey, um, or even things like some cats love worms that are just slithering along the ground. So actually, what's the right toy for those? Maybe a spring or something that kind of rolls along. Who doesn't um, love a wiggly worm? Indeed, indeed. And we also, um, we sell a lot of toys and you know, every pet retailer sells a lot of toys that are plush and have lots of catnip within them. And catnip is a really interesting interesting uh, substance so not all cats respond to catnip um, catnip is thought to mimic feline happy hormones and so when it's sniffed or when it's chewed um, it can create quite a harmless intoxicating or stimulating effect for a cat they're just blissed out aren't they they're, they're just in absolute chilled out chillaxed bliss with yeah catnip. and i think when they when they eat catnip um it can have a kind of calming mildly sedative um effect but you know you can you can buy toys with catnip in them to actually encourage your cat if it's not if it's not picking up on the toys then perhaps a toy with catnip would work but not not all cats will respond to catnip kittens um up to nine months old may not respond to catnip and they need to develop it as a kind of genetic response. It's said that there are approximately 20% of cats who don't experience the euphoric effects of catnip. But the good news is that there are some really great alternatives to that. One is called valerian, um, which I have to say is quite pongy, um, but cats love it. And we hear many, many stories of other people's cats coming through cat flaps to find valerian toys because it is so strong. Um, honeysuckle, bizarrely, if you've got a very woody honeysuckle plant wow. and you happen to be cutting some of the woody stems away, you might find that your cat goes mad for some honeysuckle. And then there's the um, silver vine, which is, which is often referred to as um, Japanese catnip or something called matatabi. That's another uh, stick that cats seem to really enjoy. And, you know, when you've got catnip, catnip is a, a, like a dried herb, I guess. Yeah. And the fresher, like with in our, in our cupboards, you know, if you're making a, a dish that requires herbs and your herbs are very kind of out of date, they won't Always be as pungent. Always indeed, indeed, indeed. Yeah, <laughs> so you can get you can get fresh catnip, but the fresher the dried catnip, the better. So if you can get catnip with the flower buds as well, cats go wild for that. And just as a, a top tip, I don't know whether uh, James and Carling, you know this as well, but you can actually put catnip into a little bag in the freezer, and it it is said to keep it extra fresh. 
personally, my, my cat isn't that fussed by it. So we do have a couple of catnip toys and sometimes it might actually be the freshness that goes and maybe that's why he's not interested anymore. So um, yeah, I'll have to try the, the trick of the freezer. James, what about Penny? Have you, have you tried catnip nippy toys with Penny? Yeah, I have. And I second that, actually. She doesn't seem to be too bothered about them. Um, so I am quite interested to look at these alternatives, actually, to see if, if that makes a difference. Well, I'm going to counteract both of you and say all the kittens that I've had throughout my life, and I've had probably had about, in my past, my childhood, we probably had about 10 kittens. And then growing up in London, I had two adorable kittens, and they love catnip every single one of my cats adored catnip so much so that my parents had massive patch of it in the garden um and all the cats just used to sunbathe in in the catnip patch they loved it and they were just chilled and bliss so it's each to their own i guess but yeah i've i've always um had incredibly successful and happy times my my kids cats and cats and kittens using and loving catnip so Claire, you mentioned you mentioned catnip being edible. What kind of products can you find it in? Well, definitely in treats. In treats, um, cats and kittens love catnip treats, and uh, they are all come in all shapes and sizes, but um, do very very well. It's worthwhile saying as well. You can get catnip spray. Ah. So so if you wanted to spray catnip, you can get catnip bubbles actually. So there's many, many different ways that you can you can have fun with your cat and catnip. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. Go, I'm sorry. Fascinated by bubbles now. That's a new thing. I didn't know they existed. So it's like the bubbles that you get as a child and you blow through yeah. the ring. It's that's actually right. bubbles are made of catnip and the cat can jump. Up. Oh, my God. That's amazing. James, something for your shopping list, I think. I've literally just written that down now. <laughs> <laughs> So is there any advice around um, toys just in terms, obviously, when they get a bit older or if they start, you know, degrading or anything like that? Because obviously, naturally, when they're playing with them, they can pull parts of the toy off. And obviously, I've had that happen with me with Penny and I was just concerned about it. So I actually ended up chucking it away and getting her a new one. Is there any advice on that, Carleen? Yeah, absolutely. You're, do you're doing the right thing. So definitely check your toys um, regularly. And if any look damaged or, you know, looks like it could fall apart into small bits or whatever it's it's best to to replace them luckily cats don't tend to be as destructive as as puppies but, or kittens and cats really um but obviously every cat is different and some some will have a go and and unlike puppies and dogs cat kittens and cats tend to be better at not eating stuff that they shouldn't but again accidents do happen so um, better to be safe, safe than sorry, and always check that the toys still look sort of intact. And if you have a particularly destructive kitten, then you know you might need to look for toys that are are maybe more more resistant. The the one thing I always warn against is pieces of string. Um, so you get some cats that are obsessed by string, whether it's you know, sewing thread or garden string or, or whatever, or ribbons. My, my cat loves ribbons. He knows where my wrapping paper is. And if I'm wrapping a present, he gets really excited because he wants ribbons. But they're the ones that if a cat ingests them and they do, because I guess they're more easily eaten, what often happens is that it gets stuck around the base of the tongue, but then the rest of the, the ribbon or the thread um, goes into the stomach and into the intestines. As you can imagine, it then pulls on the base of the tongue and, and 
you know, the body's trying to get it to move along to come out the other end, but it but it can't because it's stuck. And there's even cases of, you know, vets who've found a piece of thread sticking out the bottom of a cat, but the, the top end of the thread is all the way in the mouth. So oh, it's not not good for for that cat's um, intestines and stomach. So that, that's quite dangerous. Oh, God, sounds horrendous. So I was going to say that the, the typical classic image that you get of a particularly Victorian um, art of the kitten playing with a ball of wool is uh, not something to follow. No, I, I would definitely advise against that. Yeah. Gosh, oh, that sounds awful. So going back to catnip, um, sorry, another one of my, my favourite subjects. How, how is it sort of put into toys? Is it sort of soaked in the fabric or a, 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 a toy sort of filled with it? How, how does that work, Claire? Usually you find that the uh, toys have a pocket within them that is filled with catnip. And often you can you will get a tube of dried catnip that you can refresh that pocket. So or you could have compressed catnip in balls um, that go inside a, a plush toy or the toy itself could be a compressed catnip ball with feathers on it or it could be a compressed catnip mouse. We also sell catnip bubbles, catnip powder, the different types, you know, the, the silver vine powder as well. Catnip bubbles, a favourite, um, and catnip spray. So you can spray a toy with uh, catnip um, just to make it enticing. Uh, catnips in cat treats, kitten treats, and also it's sold with interactive games that are almost like puzzles. So you might have a big, um, a big circle that's got a ball that spins around when the cat hits it. It might have a batter and a swatter in the middle of it. It might also have cat grass um, in the middle of it. And cat grass, when ingested, is really great to um, support cat's digestion. And it can also help to prevent furballs. Okay, so cats cats do eat grass, don't they, to, to make things flow through them more they easily? They do. They um, do. So, so yeah, we, we would love it for everyone to plant cat grass. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. Always have a nice little patch of cat grass in your garden. James, take notes. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, going back to the so the, the catnip spray. I guess you could um, spray it on their blanket or spray spray it on their beds. Yeah, absolutely. Even even activity mats or um, lap mats sometimes have catnip in them to encourage your cat to come and sit on your lap. Maybe it's not a a cat that likes big cuddles, but actually you can try to encourage it to sit on a cat cat mat. But also, I mean, and in, particularly in these times, I mean, these times I'm talking, um, it's just beginning of May 2021 when we're finally, hopefully, fingers crossed, going back to normal life. But uh, yeah, I suppose um, if uh, you could spray a cushion or next to you to encourage your cat to sit next to you on the sofa and not on your laptop keyboard, which kittens are particularly prone to doing. Why are they so obsessed with keyboards? Is it because, Colin, is it because you're paying your attention to it? I'm not sure why, but they they do really seem to like just sitting wherever it's most uncomfortable. I I always find out with my cat, you know, if you've got the whole bed free, but you've got a little pile of washing on one tiny corner of the bed, that's where the cat will go and sit. I think um, we'll save save that conversation for the um, uh, behaviour episode because, yeah, we can talk for hours on that as well. So going back to Carleen, if you have a kitten, I'm assuming it's important to teach them basic good manners. Should kittens be discouraged from scratching, clawing or biting us or things? Colleen, how do we sort of direct them uh, and teach them that, you know, some scratching is good and some scratching is not so good? 
Well, yeah, I mean, scratching, clawing and biting, which which you listed, they, they are normal kitten or cat behaviours. So, you know, you're never going to get rid of them. So often people worry about their kitten scratching their furniture, etc. Um, it, it is really natural behaviour for them. In terms of playing, obviously, while it might be cute with a little kitten to sort of play fight with them with your hand or your feet, actually, as they as they grow up and get, get bigger, their claws get big, bigger, their teeth get bigger. I mean, even a kitten can scratch you quite badly. It, it's only going to get more, more painful and cause more damage. So Really, we would always avoid or recommend avoiding um, playing with hands and, and, and feet. So never allow um, a kitten to grab and bite hands and fingers. And, you know, if you, if you do that consistently from, from the start, they will hopefully um, never do it. So instead, you want to redirect them onto an actual toy, which they can happily bite. And, and you know, often they do this thing where they'll grab onto with their front legs on yeah. something and sort of um, kick with their back legs really quite forcefully often along your entire arm you really <laughs> don't want to go there um, and get a get a toy in, involved um, again also if you do let your kitten do it and if they do get older and actually you decide oh no now I don't like it anymore it's really it's really quite scary and, and frustrating as well because suddenly they get told off for something that in the past was was absolutely fine that can really damage your bond with your kittens so just just avoid it especially obviously if you've got young children as well because it can be quite frightening for them yeah and they they can't differentiate between a baby a toddler and and an adult can they they're just playing generally james was was penny a bit of a scratchy bitey when she was teeny tiny or was she quite well behaved she was well behaved i'd say but she did go through that teething phase and when she went through that she naturally wanted to bite stuff so if we happened to pick her up, she would she would bite us. But only playful though, not you know yeah. not to her. So no, she doesn't actually. She's definitely gone over that phase now. She's got through the teething phase, and she doesn't scratch. She doesn't bite. Apart from she does use her, her scratching post. Ah. Which, I think we touched on this before, but she's got one upstairs and one downstairs. And when we didn't have one upstairs, she would scratch the side of our bed. So we now have one in our bedroom. And she she just goes to that now. So she's got no excuses to scratch anywhere else. And she doesn't, to be fair. Brilliant. So, Claire, do you want to come in and talk about the importance of the scratch post? Absolutely. I mean, cats need to scratch. So scratch posts are absolutely critical. They've got to keep their claws in tip top sharp condition. They need to exercise. They need to stretch their muscles and a really great cat scratcher enables the cat to mark its territory as well. So um, when they're scratching, the scent glands between their toes um, are, are marking the territory. And, you know, once a cat finds a place it likes to scratch, it will return to it. So you need to make sure that it's scratching what you want it to scratch, not what it would like to scratch. What we find sometimes is When you've got a new kitten, the temptation is to buy a very, very small, quite flimsy cat scratcher, a post that maybe isn't stable, it's not big enough. And what happens is the the worst thing that can happen is that scratch post topples over on the cat because they will not go back to it. It, They will be too freaked out by it and therefore your stair carpets or your sofa become fair game. So, you know, cat scratchers need to be as tall as you can get them because the cat needs to be able to really stretch its whole body. They should be as stable because the cat 
doesn't want to be freaked out by it wobbling, they will not use it if that's the case. Um, so it's got to be rigid and stable, tall enough. It's really great to have horizontal and vertical platforms for scratching as well so that the cat can interact differently with it. And sometimes they can be great when they're placed near a window. So if there's some height, they the cat can look, kitten cat can look out of the window, watch watch what's going on. Sometimes it's a good idea to put them actually quite close to their bed so that when they wake up, what they want to do is they want to scratch. So actually, if the scratcher is close to their bed, that's a kind of natural wake up and, you know, feel great. And then, you know, I think it's good to have a cat scratcher that enables the cat to get all four paws onto it at once because that enables them to really stretch their back properly. And we find that, you know, there are many different types of scratchers, many different platforms. You know, you could have one that's got sizal, hessian. Cardboard is fantastic. It's warm. It's easy for them to shred. If you live near the coast, you might find that your cat enjoys nothing more than scratching on driftwood because it's soft enough for them to get their claws into, gives them some hold, enables them to mark their territory. And I think one thing that I just was going to say is people are sometimes scared that a cat scratcher might be covered in carpet because they think that um, that's training cat to love carpet. It's not. Carpet can be quite hard wearing if you buy the carpet to cover your cat scratcher from a hard wearing area. It encourages them to use the scratcher, not the carpet. Yeah, absolutely. Carleen, did you want to come in on that? Yeah, just from a sort of behavioural point of view and when, you know, obviously people take their, their kitten or their cat to, to see the vet and, and complain about, you know, inappropriate behaviour like scratching. I think, you know, and I sometimes see it on sort of discussion forums about interior design and things. Oh, can someone point me towards, you know, a not offensive looking um, scratch post? And and I think obviously, as Claire says, there's, there's loads of different ones out there now, hopefully to match the decor of your house. But in the end, it's, it needs to be right for your cat and getting something small that you can hide away they're not going to use and they'll use your sofa instead. So unfortunately, it's just part and parcel of being a cat owner that you need to provide those kind of resources, especially if your cat mainly stays indoors. Again, um, you, you just need to go all out. And, and um, you know, it's great that James has got two for Penny. I've got two for my cat as well. And if you have more cats, you'll need even more scratch posts. And I have to say, picking up on something that Carleen said, what I love about cats is that they make the choices. You need to help them make the right choices. So, you know, you can use catnip spray or sprinkle catnip onto a a cat scratcher. But ultimately, it's a bit like litter. You know, a cat scratcher, Carleen's right. We we sell some very chic, sleek ones that don't have enough scratching area. The cat isn't interested, so they will go and find what interests them. So, So for me, the cat scratcher and buying the right one is absolutely a critical, a critical thing for training and behavior as well. What I've noticed with Penny is every time she's had a nap or she's had a full on sleep, she gets up and she uses it to stretch out. Yeah, and that's that's for now. She will not wake up without once she's woken up. She won't continue her day without going up to the scratching place to just do a really good stretch. And then she's fine. Mm, that's uh, we should always we should always watch animals and learn from animals um my dog too not just cats but all animals do the stretch the up the downward dog and the upward dog it's you know all yoga in fact is based on observing animals isn't it so yeah we should you should be doing what penny does every morning 
follow her uh, guidance there and do a big old stretch in the morning. Always watch your pets because they know best. And um, I was going to say about going to Scratch and Post and, and um, the different types that Claire was talking about. I've actually seen um, my research. Some people actually dedicate an entire room to like a cat climbing frame that's just full of tunnels and stairs and different heights of shelves. I mean, you can properly go to town and, you know, give them a, an amazing like adventure playground inside. Obviously, if you've got the room. But, you know, you can some empty shelves and, you know, carefully um, strategically placed in a safe way so your cat can get the height. Because, Carleen, they do they do feel safer from a height. Or am I just making that up? Is that something that they've learned from primeval instinct that height means safer? No, absolutely. Cats love to sit up high and sort of look down on us, I think. <laughs> Where you put your scratch first, you know, again, location can make all the difference as to whether they're going to use it or not. So Claire already covered, you know, making sure it's really sturdy and tall enough and um, it's not going to topple over, but also where you're going to place it. So um, I think it was already mentioned by a window is often a good idea. So they can, especially sort of street facing. My my big cat tree, I've got a big one and a slightly smaller one, is right next to a, a bookcase. Um, so my cat can actually, from the tallest platform, jump up slightly and get onto the bookcase. And so it's almost like another added platform. And he loves sitting there as well and, and watch us watch TV. <laughs> um, and it saves you curtains as well. Kittens love jumping up curtains. So, yeah, give them something to run up and down on. And another thing that can help, um, obviously, we've mentioned sort of catnip spray and things. I think there is now, because I, I did use it on a new scratch post, it's like, it looks like a spot on, but it contains pheromones. And you basically sort of pour it in lines onto your cat tree. And it encourages the cat to scratch on, on, on the scratch post because, um, you know, the lines is almost like claw marks going down. And it, it, it sort of... Um, you know, resembles the pheromones that, that come from the same glands between their toes. So there are some things like that that can help. But generally, you know, avoid um, putting the scratch post in sort of a really busy room or a thoroughfare. Try and have it near a window. Make sure it's tall enough and it's got those platforms. You can hide treats, you know, in the boxes or on the platforms as well, under blankets to make it more interesting. Just anything really to encourage them to use it. So, James, what, what's, what's Penny's preference when it comes to uh, jumping up, jumping down? What, what, what does, she, is she, does she prefer a height? She does. She, she likes jumping up. She, she'll come in a room and she'll assess the highest point of the room. She'll try and get to it, whether that's a wardrobe or, well, mainly wardrobes, to be honest with you. But I've noticed she does it outside as well. So we've got a flat roof out the back and we'll be in the garden and she'll jump up on the flat roof and almost look down at us and she seems to like that so um, yeah, she as does is everything in their lives they love like Carleen said they love to look down on us they are in charge <laughs> so finally I, j I just had a one more question and that is about some people probably aren't too keen on their kittens bringing in other little dead creatures that they've caught or sometimes they're not even dead it's not the most pleasant of um thing it can be quite distressing when a when a kitten brings in something that it's caught so how can you stop them from hunting i don't suppose you can stop them 100 percent. but is there anything you can do to deter hunting via play yeah absolutely i mean first of all like you say you, you can't stop a kitten or a cat hunting and you, and you should never punish them for it um because it is an abs 
you know, a, a natural behavior. And as we said, it's not connected to hunger. So you can feed them up all you want. They're still going to go out and, and hunt. But um, yeah, it has been shown actually that if you play a lot with your kitten or your cat, they're less likely to to hunt and, and, and bring in prey. So um, if there's an incentive for making sure you have lots of play sessions, plus it's a really nice way to bond um, with your kitten as well. What can also help if you do have a, a, a kitten or a cat that is an avid hunter is obviously putting a bell on their collar. Always make sure the collar is a quick release collar and be prepared to replace it regularly because they will lose it. Some cats actually learn to move without making the bell move and will still be able to catch prey. So then sometimes it's recommended to attach multiple bells. Yeah, yeah, they're very, very good. Very determined. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Claire, your pets at home do sell a quick release collar, don't they? Absolutely. All of the collars that we sell for cats have a quick release um, catch on them. Oh, right. So, okay. So that's good. So you don't even have to go in and, and choose or ask. No, no. As standards, they are absolutely. Released. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good to know well i think i think that's toys and play preferences covered for this episode it just leaves me to thank my guests carleen herman who's head of pets and qualified vet at pets at home thank you carleen thank you and thank you to claire gavin director of creative development and innovation at pets at home thank you claire thank you kate and also to james who's the owner of lovely penny cheers james thank you for your uh, penny anecdotes your anecdotes again thank you thank you for having me so thanks for listening to this episode of the Pets at Home Kitten podcast. And remember, if you have anything in particular that you'd like us to talk about, or if you want to simply let us know how we're doing with these podcasts, and I hope you're enjoying them, please do get in touch at kittenpodcast at petsathome.co.uk. That's the email address to write to us, kittenpodcast at petsathome.co.uk. And you can also find us via at Pets at Home UK on Instagram and on Twitter our tag is at Pets at Home and more information on how you can join the Kitten Club which supports you and your kitten with expert advice and exclusive offers throughout their first year all the information can be found on our website petsathome.com okay so that's everything tied up and join us next time for all things kitten bye <laughs> <laughs>